Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Think Orange podcast. A podcast with ideas and conversations to help you influence the next generation. G'day, everyone. My name is Dave, and I want to welcome you back to the Think Orange podcast. As always, our goal here is to encourage, inspire, and resource you by giving you access to the speakers, thought leaders, and the experts who are rethinking and reimagining the way ministry can be done. Now, in some parts of the world, schools have just started back up for a new year or are restarting after a bit of a break, and that means churches are kind of relaunching as well. And that's why we decided to sit down with Dr. Kara Powell to talk about what it may look and feel like for kids and teenagers to re-enter schools and churches at this time. As we all know, there can be a bit of anxiety around re-entering school or work or church, and kids and teenagers certainly feel that, maybe even more than we think. Now, I've known Kara Powell for a few years now, and she is one of the smartest people I know. She is Chief of Leadership Formation and Executive Director of the Fuller Youth Institute, and she always puts up with me pronouncing her name Kara when it's actually pronounced Kara. So I'm really excited for you to hear this conversation with Reggie Joyner, Kristen Ivey, and Dr. Kara Powell. So I get to hang out with uh, two of my favorite people. Kristen Ivey is the president of Orange. Kara Powell is actually the chief of leadership formation. Of leadership formation and the executive director of Fuller Youth Institute, which we know the second part. The first part has been kind of a new role. Yep. She oversees a lot of divisions at Fuller. And guess what they both have in common today? They have kids going back to school. Yeah. So <laughs> we are being watched by a lot of leaders who are thinking in terms of their kids heading back to school, also their ministries cranking back up. What does that look like? What are the things we should probably start thinking about as we start engaging and re-engaging with culture and a new year? Well, I think many of us were hoping that this fall was going to be more normal. And it might be more normal than last fall, but it's still not going to be quite what we were maybe hoping it was going to be in terms of stable and predictable. There's still a lot that is uncertain. In fact, uncertainty feels like the big word right now for the fall. It's uncertain for us as leaders leading ministries, and it's uncertain for our students, for the teenagers and children. They're not entirely sure what school's going to be like, how long it's going to last. And for many who were more online last year, they're anxious anxious about going back and being in the class, being in person. I've heard from a lot of teenagers that they're looking forward to being together. Definitely prefer that over Zoom by and large, but they're anxious about who are they going to connect with? Who are they going to hang out with at lunch? Those kinds of really tangible questions. When you think about your kids, Kristen, heading back to school, what are some things you think about? Everything that Kara was saying, I think it is not the normal that they had hoped for. We've already had conversations in our house around what they had maybe hoped that this fall might look like. And it's not going to be that, but you were kind of going into it. And I think they're still trying to navigate the, like many of us, the unknown, the uncertainty, and the long lasting implications of the last few years. Just a couple of, yeah. I guess it was a couple of weeks ago, we had some friends around for a birthday party outside. Mm. And one of the kids' older siblings was there and really was showing a lot of signs of needing to stay very distanced Mm. with a mask and 
the mother was talking through, you know, they had been vaccinated, he had been vaccinated, but there was anxiety any time that there were people around. And I just think regardless of how you feel about the pandemic and masks and vaccines and so many controversial you know, topics, what we can't really argue about is the fact that there's a lot of anxiety and a lot of feelings around this return to school. Yeah, I think it's important to talk about this yeah. because I think the people watching this particular um, discussion have kids. Mm -hmm. They're working with volunteers who have kids. Mm -hmm. And they're also trying to figure out how to turn the lights back on in many of their spaces on Sundays and Wednesday nights in their programming for church. Mm -hmm. So as we start talking about what it looks like to re-engage volunteers and families back into the church, what are some things you're thinking? Well, I think this continues to be a great time to experiment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think we should use that word, experiment. Mm -hmm. um, acknowledge that we're going to try things. We're going to evaluate them. We need to evaluate them. That's important. <laughs> so try and evaluate things and then be able to shift. So I think, you know, capitalize on this time to experiment. And the other thing for us as leaders to keep communicating with parents. Mm -hmm. You know, I've heard from a few youth pastors, especially, that they're waiting until they know what they're doing to communicate with parents. And as a mom of a 15, 18, 20 year old, I mean, the last year and a half, my favorite organizations are the ones that keep communicating with me, even if they're saying, we still don't know, we're still measuring this factor and that factor. Invite us as parents into your processing mm -hmm. so we can appreciate how much you're thinking about and praying about how to best pastor our kids. So let's experiment and let's keep communicating with our volunteers and with our parents. Well, I think this is also an opportunity for us to invite that conversation with kids and with teenagers mm. as well. Kids and teenagers have a lot of feelings and thoughts about this last year and about the year ahead. And so we need to keep the conversation open with them and communicate with them the same as we would with volunteers and with parents. And now may not be the moment to take a stand on issues that would get in the way of ministry, but really lean in to listen to the thoughts and feelings and um, processings of kids and teenagers to open that dialogue and ask, how are you feeling right yeah, now? Yeah. What are you thinking about going back to school? What are you feeling about coming back to church? Um, inviting those conversations and really doing an effective job of listening to create a safe place uh, really matters this fall. It's interesting that you say that because I hear both of you saying we can't be tone deaf. We can't just turn the lights back on and just business as usual. There's a different level of sensitivity yeah. that we should have going into this. And empathy. Yep, and empathy. Mm -hmm. Sensitivity and empathy. That's mm -hmm. great. Right. Because it not only applies to the kids, it also applies to the volunteers. Yeah. Mm -hmm who are showing back up to work with the kids, right? Yeah, and I'll tell you, at our church, I was just talking to our family ministry pastor, we're having a hard time recruiting our volunteers because they're still, at times, understandably cautious. So some of our most faithful long-term volunteers are back in, but some of, the, some of the newer volunteers who started just before the pandemic are trying to recruit brand new volunteers. That's a struggle right now. Wow. It might play a little bit, though, into what you were talking about earlier about permission to innovate and try new things yeah. like never before. This is a season for experimentation, trying something new for a volunteer who might not be ready to return to a former volunteer role. There is something about, OK, but there might be something else that could 
still impact kids and teenagers. So those two sort of play yeah. hand in hand. Yeah, and well, and even inviting potential volunteers, hey, come for one time, join mm-hmm. us for one Zoom, lead one discussion, because mm-hmm. everything good. feels a little bit more tentative. So maybe mm-hmm. this is a time to give people a more gradual <laughs> on-ramp into being a volunteer. I think too, this is a great time to ask, especially teenagers in upper elementary, like who are some adults who you'd like to spend more Mm. time with? And they might name a few people in your church or in your Mm. ministry context that you hadn't thought of, who you might be able to reach out to and say, hey, you know, so-and-so mentioned you as an adult. That's a pretty appealing uh, request to come be a volunteer when a kid has named an adult as someone they want to get to know better. Actually, I hope that some people take notes with that because that's a great way to motivate or manipulate, whichever word you want to use. Either M word. Because (laughs) it works when it's for the sake of a generation who we need to reach, right? Yeah. But you go say, I mean, let's be honest, you know, by the way, Mr. Smith, we asked John who he wanted to be in a relationship with, and he said you would be somebody he would love to meet. So yeah. could you please come help us? I mean, that's <laughs> how do you say no? How do you say no? That's good. And and I think it's great at this moment, like we've been doing all along, to back up to the why yeah. and go, why is it we do this? Why does this matter? The effort and the energy to start to restart in these spaces with kids and teenagers is everything. And both of you breathe this, you think this, you live this out. And there are three ideas that you've just written about, and we're going to come to that in a second, that I think bring us back to the why of what we are really doing when we talk about discipleship and and the next generation. So let's start unpacking those three ideas so that people watching can go, oh, yeah, that helps me remember what it is I'm actually here to do. I think coming back to the why is the most important part, because oftentimes the things that have unsettled us over the last year and a half, two years, is that we knew that our ministry was anchored to creating environments. We were creating Sunday morning, Mm. we were creating Wednesday afternoon, whatever it was that we were creating. There was a program um, that was taking so much time and energy that oftentimes that became the thing. And when the program became, you know, unsettled, then that caused a lot of questions. But when you remember your why, that it really is about life change in a personal way, then that should alleviate some of those tensions in the sense of, hey, now it's just a time to reimagine how we create personal life change, Mm. even if the program doesn't look the same. So Mm -hmm. I love going back to why and thinking through three questions that influence a person's faith and future, uh, you know, really for the rest of their life. It's good. Because these are big questions. They're huge questions. Three big questions. Ooh, thank you for (laughs) nodding to that book title there. Yeah, and this is part of what I love is the way that the Full Youth Institute and Orange are so in sync. Because we, all of us, both of our organizations and ministries have said, we think there are three questions that really all people are wrestling with. Um, And those three questions are identity, who am I? Belonging, where do I fit? And purpose, what difference can I make? So identity, belonging, and purpose. And those of us who are over 30, we certainly wrestle with those questions. Those of us who are, who are 60, we just gave up. <laughs> well, actually, I think there's a there's a new resurgence of wrestling I, with those yeah, questions right. um, post-60. But I'll just say for those of us over 30, uh, <laughs> we wrestle with those questions to some degree. But for us, they're more at a low simmer um, for the, the young people with whom we work, the children, the teenagers, and the young adults, they're at a rolling boil. So mm-hmm. these are three really pressing questions that, as students go back to school, is an opportunity to talk about them. That's good. And, and I want us to unpack this for just a second, because I love the way in your book you've organized 
these three issues and you've connected these three issues to a relationship with Jesus. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, we don't just show up to be in the life of a kid to help their future. We believe their faith will shape their future and more specifically, their faith will shape their sense of identity, belonging, yeah, and purpose. Yeah. In fact, I'm, we're starting, my co-author Brad Griffin and I and our whole team at the Full Youth Institute, we're starting to think about what are young people's current answers to these questions. And, and we interviewed a bunch of young people, and that's in the book. And that discipleship is the bridge from their current answers to more Christ-centered answers. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that I believe so much, in fact, I say this so often, my own teenagers sometimes, you know, make fun of me for this, but only Jesus satisfies. Mm -hmm. That only Jesus satisfies. And I think Jesus's answers to these questions are the best answers. Mm -hmm. So whatever age group we're working with, how can we help them and us lean into those better answers. I love your work with it, Kara, because you've also entered into questions that a young person's already asking. Yeah. So oftentimes I know there can be an approach to discipleship that says, you know, Jesus is the answer. And a young person is thinking, yes, but I want to know the answer to who am I? Yeah. And there's a disconnect between a question that they're asking and yeah. wrestling with and the answer that we're providing. Yeah. I love the way that Three Big Questions bridges that mm -hmm. gap, like mm -hmm. you said, between mm -hmm. a question that's already being asked yeah. and a deep sense with the answers that I think a lot of ministry leaders are trying to provide. Yeah, it's so encouraging to hear you say that because it was actually a young person who really convicted me. He was talking not to me, but to a friend of mine who relayed this. This 15-year-old said, I'm tired of the church answering questions I'm not asking. Mm. Like, I think that should be on a little sign we all put in our offices or in our car dashboard or our bathroom mirror. I'm tired of the church answering questions I'm not asking. I mean, I, I, I want to be asking and answering the questions that are most important to the young people I'm trying to serve. I think that teenager echoed something that adults would say, too. Yeah. Mm. And that a lot of families in our culture would say. Yeah. You know, if the church yes. is going to be an answer, they need to be an answer to the questions that we're actually asking and yeah. a solution for the problems that our communities are really facing. Yeah. So there's something in that. And I love in your identity section of your book, you attach— the concept of enough. Yeah. I am enough because there's so many kids who feel like they're not enough. You know, I'm not smart enough. You know, I'm not brave enough. I'm not strong enough. And that Jesus responds to those in a way that gives a kid, if they understand, yeah. a sense that they're enough. Yeah, which is something I literally is on my list of prayer requests for myself, that I would know this every day, because I struggle to really lean into this and embrace this too, that I would know that Jesus makes me enough. I'll tell you, one of the interesting things in our research is we spend a lot of time with kids of color. And in the midst of everything else that happened last year in 2020, we also crossed the line in the U.S. Census, where now 50% of those under 18 here in the U.S. are kids of color. So we disproportionately spent time with them. And there's a lot of kids of color who also feel like they're not Latino enough, they're not Black enough. So there's a, a whole additional layer of mm -hmm. tension and sometimes insecurity that, that those young people can be dealing with. And so, you know, regardless of ethnicity and culture, how can we help young people know that Jesus makes them enough? In fact, Jesus makes them more than enough. I mean, that's, that, good. that's good news that, that I'll give my life to. That's really good. How would you tell youth workers specifically to respond to that? If we have a message of hope, I mean, how practically does that show up in 
the way that we do youth ministry. Well, this is where the, th the three questions, while we parse them out for the sake of understanding them, they really go together quite a bit. It's like we experience our enoughness, that important answer for identity, largely in the midst of a community where we belong mm -hmm. and where we're able to exercise our gifts. Mm -hmm. I mean, Reggie, I think I've, I've quoted you so many times in the last year and a half uh, in the pandemic that, you know, correct me because you say it better than me, but a kid may forget what I teach them, mm -hmm. but they'll never forget what God does through them. That's right. Is that close mm -hmm. to what yeah. you say? Yeah, oh, I love that. And so, you know, as we give young people the chance to experience how God's made them, how God has given them unique talents and gifts and passions, mm -hmm. that purpose category, then that starts to inform how they think of themselves and how they start to understand, I'm part of God's big story, I'm, I'm more than enough. So the three questions, while it's helpful to think of them distinctly, they really do come together and reinforce each other. I think that the reason this is such an important conversation too is because when we get back to the volunteers who are showing up on the front lines, yeah. to just remind them as a leader that you are actually a part of a process to shape a kid's sense of identity, belonging, and purpose. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you show up, you're starting with belonging, and you've said some things before about mm -hmm. why belonging sometimes mm -hmm. seems to be a really big issue that yeah. connects to the other right. two. Yeah. Well, during the phase project, when we were doing research about a holistic approach to discipling kids of all ages from birth through 18, one of the parts of the project that we focused on was really identity formation. And I think one of the things that we learned as we focused in on identity formation was its connectedness to belonging yeah. and purpose. Mm -hmm. And that just resurfaced over and over and over again, that if you're going to talk about identity formation, you have to consider belonging and purpose. And the more we dug into that, we, it really did seem to suggest that especially in seasons of life where there's been something unsettled, then issues of belonging become first and foremost yeah. a priority. Wow. And that happens pretty consistently through the phases. So if you look at kindergarten, if you look at sixth grade, if you look at ninth grade, um, there's actually a few biological shifts that also disrupt and elevate belonging again. But some of those tangible transition points is where belonging really surfaces to a to a degree that it's almost impossible to think about purpose or identity, yeah. unless there are people who create a safe place that you feel connected. Um, and in those instances, we really wanted to lean in and go, belonging may be foundational even before the other two can be considered. It's so interesting because a lot of my psychology colleagues say the very same thing, that you know, belonging is first among equals. And think about what you just said, Kristen, in light of going back to school mm -hmm. or back to church in the midst of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I mean, this it's a challenge for young people because they're wondering, will I feel like I belong? Will yep. so-and-so still mm -hmm. want to be with me? Will she want to hang out with me, et cetera? So it's a challenge, but it's also an opportunity for us, right, as the body of Christ. Like if, if we can create that safe place of belonging in person and or virtually, like what a gift mm -hmm. we're giving to young people and families if in the midst of all the anxiety we're feeling that at least young people know they belong at, I, with the church. I love that you bring up the pandemic and the return to you know school or to ministry and that because— when you think about a young person who's experienced a move or some kind of change in their family structure, oftentimes those surface the belonging yeah. issue as yeah. kind of a crisis of, will I find some people? 
That happens to adults as well. If you think of times in your life that maybe you went through crisis or trauma or the loss of a loved one, sometimes you come out on the other side of it thinking, I may want to reshape some of my friendships. I may want to you know, revisit who I'm connected to. I expect that there are a lot of young people coming back from this last year and a half, reevaluating their friendships, mm-hmm. reevaluating where they want to connect in light of everything they've just gone through. They may be looking for some change and they may, as they change those friendships, be really have a heightened sense of there still needs to be somebody that gets me, that knows me, that creates a safe mm-hmm. place for me that I'm connected to. I love that you said that about belonging and how belonging shapes identity and purpose because it really does raise the bar for those of you who are recruiting volunteers in the message that you mm-hmm. give to volunteers yeah. about why they're showing up because this isn't just... I'm going to be in a room with a kid for an hour. This is you're going to be their people. You're going to be one of their persons who actually cares about their future. And when you connect what they sense about themselves to who Jesus is and what Jesus showed up to teach us, I think it is shaping their identity and Mm -hmm. sense of belonging and purpose. So thanks for doing this. Thanks for joining us for this conversation. A few things we want to make sure that you have that you need to know about as you start off this next year. If you've never used Elite Small books, you can bulk order them. It has the job description for every small group leader on the front lines. There's also a Lead Small training kit that at orangeleaders.com you can get to go along with that. Then we have a volunteer kickoff event that's free at orangeleaders.com you can get as well. Another thing that we're pretty excited about is the Three Big Questions book that's coming out in just a few days. Uh, this has been a big project. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kara Powell, Brad Griffin from Fuller have worked with research teams to get a lot of information. This is a book that should go in your library. If you're going to understand how discipleship connects to identity, uh, belonging, and purpose, this is actually what you need to make sure you get for every one of your leaders. Mm-hmm. And as a staff member, you should go through this and then as you digest it, start training your volunteers to understand again what they're doing to shape a kid's sense of identity, belonging, and purpose. This book has been a long time coming. We're excited about it. And we want you to win this fall as you crank things back up with kids and teenagers. What you do matters more than anything else on the planet. Well, now you know why I think Kara is one of the smartest people I know. I'm sure you got a lot from listening in on that conversation. And as you think about how you're engaging kids and teenagers in your ministries over the next couple of months, we'd love for you to check out Kara's new book, Three Big Questions That Change Every Teenager. You can find out more at threebigquestionsbook.com. That's the number three, bigquestionsbook.com. And as you're starting to re-engage volunteers during this important time in a kid's lives, we've created a resource for you to give to every small group leader to remind them of their role. It's called Lead Small, and you can learn more and grab your own copies at orangestore.com. Well, thanks so much for listening. My name is Dave Adamson. And remember, when you think next generation or church strategy, think orange. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Think Orange podcast. Join us next time for more ideas and conversations to help you influence the next generation. For more episodes and show notes, visit thinkorangepodcast.com.